I'm Megan Skidmore, and welcome to the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts on a faith journey and all aspects of life. Join me as I bring this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I firmly believe we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with asking questions and allowing doubts. When we are more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. Beyond the Shadow of Doubt is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, which is part of the Dialogue Journal found at dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcast. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar who wrote, My faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of that vision. First Friday's free coaching, the confidential group to bring all the questions, vent frustrations, share fears, express doubts. Navigating a new and uncertain reality is hard enough. Let's remove the worry of judgment from others. In this group, I will help you help yourself so that you can be there for your child, family, loved ones, and for you too. Click the link in the show notes to sign up. You must complete the agreement. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt podcast. I'm Megan Skidmore, your host, and I'm thrilled to be with you and share today's guests with you. I actually have two with me. Heather is the mom to four kiddos, one of whom identifies as LGBTQ+. However, that is not the individual that uh, will be sharing with us today. You also have a kiddo who has been diagnosed with ADHD, Cole, and Cole is here with us today. You all are from Shelly, Idaho, and I'm so pleased that you agreed to come on the podcast and share about your journey. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm Heather, and I am married to Jared. He works for the government here in Idaho, and I teach special education grades K through two. And then we have Porter, who is married and has one baby and one on the way and then emmy who just got married this summer and she married izzy and they live in portland oregon okay sam samantha she sam is our daughter who in high school came out as gay and she lives in just the next town over from us and lives with her girlfriend Taryn, who we love and like feels like she's just always kind of been here just part of our family forever um, and then Cole's the baby, and he is finishing high school and managing at Costa Vida and dating his girlfriend, L. Mm-hmm. And we, if you wanted to just start kind of at the yeah. beginning. Well, Thank you so, for okay. giving us that, that background information. A little please, rundown. Yes. Yeah. Just dive right <laughs> I in. Remembered. I think I remembered everybody. Um, when, when Sam was in high school, right at the, during the pandemic is when Sam came out. And it's right, right about that same time, Cole's anxiety kicked into hyperdrive. Like, well, just I think between the pandemic and his sister having to come home from BYU, Hawaii, his older sister, because they kind of sent everybody home off the island who wasn't a native there. You had to come home, a resident. Um, So they sent all the college kids home. So she had come back home and she was kind of going through her own volatile time of being kicked out of her last year of college and having to finish that out of home and leaving her friends. And so she was kind of a, kind of a mess. And then Sam had just come out maybe like two weeks before that. And we knew Cole was struggling with ADHD and had kind of talked to his teachers about it, but it was then that his anxiety kicked in and like, Mm -hmm really we really started to see he'd always been kind of an anxious kid but we really started to see some things we were kind of worried about at that time that's also when he discovered music so he decided he was going to teach himself how to play the piano by watching youtube (laughs) and he did and i said wait we're going to take piano lessons if you're going to do this right we're going to do it the right way so he took piano lessons um reading music was not an option for him he just 
he like really struggles with it. but if you play him a song he can sit down and play it on the piano or if you tell him the song kind of goes like this and give him three or four notes he can mm -hmm. he'll write you a whole new song with it so that's during the pandemic is kind of when he oh. struggled with anxiety and ADHD and then discovered his musical talent also mm -hmm. um there was one night in particular when Sam was wanting to go you know, the pandemic was so weird because nobody had a bedtime. There was no school. So <laughs> it was just a really weird time. We're all working from home. Going to school from home. Going to school from home. Mm -hmm. just, the restaurants were shut down. So the kids weren't, so Sam wasn't working at Costa. It was just weird. So um, she was 10 o'clock at night. And we were all just sitting in the living room chatting. And Emmy was telling us about her struggles with college and, church and all the stuff she was going through and Sam was begging to go skateboarding at 10 o'clock at night and although she was 16 at the time that still didn't mm -hmm. feel safe so we were kind of arguing which was weird because she's never argued with us ever and I had a cousin who had just died by suicide the week before like the third oh, member oh on that side of the family so it was just really traumatic time for all of us and Cole came upstairs just sobbing, like, somebody's gonna die. He was so worried One another one of his family members. He was little. Were we, like, 10? 12. He was, like, 12. <laughs> he was a little boy. Yeah. Okay. That's still little at 12. But he just really kind of, he was having a hard, hard time. Okay. And I don't, like, not blaming that on anybody or what else what what was going on in anyone else's life it just was like a culmination of all those times so do you want to kind of tell your experience with sam coming out and um yeah my my experience was different i feel like from my parents perspective and not in like a bad way i just feel like like you know the generation was raised in a certain way that it was more weird and strange for them and hard to navigate for them and for me it was a little bit easier to kind of like oh okay like i know five or six people who are lgbtq like that's not a, it's it's more of a normal thing nowadays for my generation at least compared to their generation and so i think more of my fear was just suicide rates with that kind of stuff and especially in mm -hmm. around this area and in the church so when you said um heather that cole came up and was obviously emotionally distraught expressing someone's going to die. I, Cole, do you think those were connected then? Some of that, your, um, your fears of surrounding the suicide rates. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I just wasn't sure what kind of mental state Sam was in and I know it was uh -huh. hard mental state in her position. So that was just, and then mixed with anxiety, like of course the worst thought possible comes to mind, even though it's probably not true. Yeah, his brain always goes to the worst case scenario, yeah. which is hard on a kid, right? And when you're worried about your sister, and they have been best friends. So we have the two older ones, and then a good four-year chunk, and then the two younger ones. So it was always Sam and Cole. It was always just them when they were little. Like, they did everything together. And as the older kids started doing, you know, teenager things, and then and leaving, being out of the house more often, and then both of them moving out and going to college. It was just the two of them at home. So they'd always been so, so close. And mm -hmm. really, both of them are very empathetic towards people just in general, but really towards each other. And they're not that, I mean, they're not that close in age. They're three years apart, but they're, they've always been more like twins, just the way they interacted with each other. So, and Sam is like the most gentle soul that you could ever be around. She just like brings this calmness into every situation she's in. And I think that really balanced and balances now because mm -hmm. they still, now they work together. <laughs> she's yeah. a boss, but they balance each other out. So she really like could calm his anxieties. And when she was going through this coming out to her family, and hadn't told anybody else ever her what she called you know she was like my secret nobody else yeah. knew then she wasn't the calm presence in that moment so the fact that she was upset and you know feeling aggravated i think for him was like whoa that's my she's my steady <laughs> now mm -hmm. i don't know what to do with all of my anxiety because she's not she's not steady is i think is yeah. kind of that's what i observed just from watching them together but 
So remind me, there's two years difference between the two of you. Uh, three. Three between Sam and Cole. Yeah. But you're tight and like, yeah, it's like best friends. Yeah. So if you've heard any of my episodes or any of my listeners have, you know that I am all about normalizing faith journeys, that everybody's is different and unique and beautiful. So can you share a little bit about what navigating your faith was like during this time as well? Because most certainly it affected each of you differently. Cole, you've you've mentioned a little bit how when Sam came out to you, you said a lot of, you, you knew five to six people already who identify mm-hmm. as LGBTQ yeah. plus and you were just, oh, okay. It was kind of like a piece of information for you to yeah. know, described more about your, your sister and how she experiences life, but anything you could, you want to add to that or, and, and Heather that you can share about how that was, I mean, yeah, a lot going on during the pandemic. (laughs) There was a lot going on right then. I, so we, at that time, we, Jared and I were both raised in the church and in like really strong LDS homes. Um, both of our dads always in the bishopric in some capacity, moms, release city presidents, release city. Oh, wow. You're going to have to edit that out. Relief society presidents. (laughs) we're leaving it it's fine um his parents actually divorced when he was on his mission and things kind of went got a little rocky for him upon coming home so he'd already kind of like wait a second my parents are sealed but now they're divorced so are they like now who am I still he kind of went through this he did yeah discovery kind of for himself already after his mission but we, as our kids were growing up, he was always, we always lived in small areas. The church wasn't ever very big where we lived. So he was always in a branch presidency. We were always in okay. charge. And we felt that we were doing what was right for our kids, raising them. It was a good, positive environment, right? And when we lived in smaller areas like that, those were your friends. That was your kind of your social group. That's where you met people. You went to church and you met other young families and then you had people wherever you moved. So that had always been our experience with the church. When we moved to Idaho, it was like somebody dropped us in a foreign country and we moved back here from Japan. So Japan's not the foreign country (laughs) as far as the church was concerned for us. It was Hammond, Idaho. It's like a slap in the face. We had never in our lives experienced a place where there are so many members of the church. The kids high school, when we moved here in 2015, was like 99.9% members. Okay. So we weren't needed in our wards. We were used to moving somewhere and immediately saying, oh, you're active. Okay. You're in charge. Here's the keys. Kind of a uh-huh. thing, passing of the baton. But in we moved, we walked into our ward in Ammon and we knew immediately they kind of cycle the same five people through the callings, mm-hmm. the leadership positions, and everybody else kind of just sits back and watches the ward happened that was very that was hard for us that was that was really hard for us we were used to being in charge and so I mean a little kick to the ego probably was probably part of it like wait a second (laughs) but it's possible there was a certain amount of connection that came with that when you serve in a certain call yeah and a feeling of belonging and that too yeah everybody likes to be needed right and if you don't feel needed you don't feel like you belong really So we had, and our kids noticed it and they all were like, wait, I, you know, nobody even knows if I'm there. So Mm -hmm. kind of why go kind of a feeling. And that was hard for us at first to hear them say things like that. And you also get into the, um, like the old school kind of ways of the church. When you move to a community where there's a lot of members, you get so much old tradition and not, and I don't want to disparage anybody, but it was really like, definitely traditions, not how the church was set up, not, not always following the handbook, like just uh-huh. kind of doing things because they'd done it that way for so long. Yeah. And that <laughs> the kids, when they would come home from Sunday school, we would sit down and have to have like a re-lesson because <laughs> some of the information they were getting, we were like, well, hang on a second. That's. <laughs> That doesn't sound right. (laughs) So, I mean, it was, 
Yeah, it was hard. So when Sam came out, we knew that that was not the ward where she would be accepted and loved. Like, and we were so grateful for the pandemic at that point because not for the pandemic, but for the at home church, for being able to be home. That sounded wrong, but mm-hmm. we were very thankful that we were at home for church because we knew she was safe and protected in her home mm-hmm. and that we could still teach her gospel teachings and have her where we could make sure her feelings were spared. But it, I prayed immediately, right? That's where you've always been taught to go. And I just had the feeling repeatedly, this isn't your problem. Your job is to love her. Mm-hmm. I got her. Like stop worrying, which is really hard to do for me because I'm a worrier. But oh, I don't know if you felt anything. Um, you were 12. So. Yeah, <laughs> I was younger, so it wasn't as much of a deal for me. And I honestly probably didn't even notice what was going on. I feel like, honestly, it's been more recent that I've kind of had. Um, I mean, like, first of all, I'm still an active member of the church, and I still believe um, the doctrine, and I follow it. But there, there's just, like, times where, you know, it, like, doesn't coincide with how my sister lives her life. And that kind of, that sucks a little bit. So that's just been, I mean, as I've gotten older kind of stuff that I've seen. And then there's just, there's, there's small other things that just kind of throw me off a little bit that I kind of, I kind of feel like, like you get to a certain point in your life and you mature at a certain point to where you kind of start to look back on everything that you're taught when you're younger and go, Oh, maybe this wasn't what I feel is actually right. Maybe I have my own opinions about something like this and I don't just follow this blindly. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been mostly my my faith journey so far. I think one of the things that, and well, I hope, and Cole can verify this or not, but one of the things I've always tried to teach my kids is your relationship with God is your relationship with God. It's not my relationship. It's not dad's relationship. It's not grandma's or grandpa's or aunt's or uncle's. It's yours. So however you choose to, to like cultivate that and nurture it that's between you and god if you if your relationship with god is that you don't go to church on sunday that's so that's you (laughs) that's on you (laughs) that's not my responsibility if your relationship with god is that you want to go every single sunday and you want to do you want to participate in all of it that's Mm -hmm. also on you right and when they're little yeah Mm -hmm. you're responsible for driving them there or making sure they get to the activities on time but our kids, as they've gotten older, have really taken responsibility for that. And I love that about them. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. I think they're way m- wiser than I was. I was an idiot at 18. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't. I never. That wasn't even a thought in my mind that I was responsible for my own feelings towards God. So if you would, Heather, you mentioned um, that when when Sam came out, you said you were self-described worrier, but that you felt you were told that uh-huh. your job is to love uh-huh. and that that's hard for you. Can you share a little bit what that was like when your your tendency, um, your kind of your personality is to tend to go to the worrying place, whatever that might be, you know, versus you were told, okay, just love. That's a huge pull yeah. to, to have going on uh, inside of you. Well, <laughs> my worry, and I I wish everybody could know Sam, but I think everybody probably has a Sam in their life. Sam has never, I don't even know if at this point she's 21. I mean, I think maybe she said a swear word once. She's not mean. She doesn't mm-hmm. lie. Mm-hmm. She, if we were to try to gossip in front of her, she shuts it down. She's she probably is the most pure soul that, that we know. And I'm not saying not all my kids are amazing and Mm -hmm. (laughs) have good hearts, but don't you think Sam is, she just is. And so for someone to be mean to her would wreck me that. And that like, I get teary eyed just thinking about it. That would devastate be her feeling any pain in this life just kills me. And I feel that way about my other kids, like, but I also, they need, you know, they need to grow. They're having growing experiences for Sam. Like 
if the second coming was today, she'd be the first to be translated. Like she's so pure. <laughs> and so I didn't want her to be hurt in any way. And I knew that if once people started to know that once she started to tell people, there were going to be people that said terrible things about her and to her. Mm-hmm. And it happened. It happened. And that was my, those were my biggest fears for her. So when I prayed, my prayer was like, please protect her. Please keep her from people who are going to harm her, you know, in any way. And that's when I was like, hey, I got this and you need to just love her. And I would, when I would pray and ask questions about, well, what does this mean for our eternal family? Because that's right. That's something you're taught. Like, there's no way she's going with you. Well, we're supposed to go without her? Like, no, thank you. (laughs) I don't choose that. (laughs) I don't want to go anywhere without Sam. I can't even stand. She lives 20 minutes from me and I barely can stand to not see her twice a week, right? So, I mean, she's one of my best friends. So having the thought of not being with her forever, just like, what do you do with that? What do you do with that feeling? So that's when I would pray about that. That's the answer I would get. Like, you're not supposed to worry about that. That's my job to fix those things. And your job is to love your daughter. And that, that makes anything else that happens to us in regards to church, then that I'll just hang on to that feeling because... I don't, then what people say doesn't, doesn't really matter because I know how God feels about her. So I don't really care how anybody else <laughs> feels about her, but if they hurt her, I'm going to care. <laughs> then we're going to have a problem. You know, that's really sound and loving advice. Both of you have shared um, that just because somebody is living in a way that's different than what you might wish that doesn't preclude you from loving them. And I can tell you both love unconditionally. Um, And I love how you shared that you have turned the responsibility over to each of your individual kids, which is the principle of a free agency, a free will that we believe in, in the LDS faith and lots of conservative faiths do actually. Right. Right. And how you have felt my job is just to love, not to worry, because I know how God feels about Sam. That's just really beautiful. Yeah. You did you did mention, you know, you've questioned before, you know, what's gonna happen to Sam after this life. And I'm sure that's not the only question that's come up for you as you've navigated this in your family. Can you share like what is your process? that you go through when you find something that you maybe hadn't thought of in the same way before and it doesn't really resonate or, or make sense. Well, I heard a quote yesterday and I'm going to just um, slide you up so I can go look at it really quick. Cause I, I was listening to a book and I hurried and made like a, a note of it in my phone because I didn't want to forget it. And it says people only see the truth if it's close enough to their own reality. So I think that my reality has changed, that all of our realities have changed and we are more able and readily able to see the truth. We don't, we only know what we know, right? We don't, people, people say they know, they want to think they know. We sat in a Sunday school lesson and it was about the three degrees of glory Mm -hmm. and someone was making a list on the board about who was going, not names, but the kind of people, right? The choices that would get you placed. And I just sat there thinking, this is ridiculous. Nobody knows. You don't know. You you have scriptures. You're reading your scriptures. You're interpreting those. You think you know. We just, we don't know. We don't know. There's no way to know. And I think having... Um, I think having a strong background in prayer, like just as a child being taught, you know, that I can turn to Heavenly Father when I have questions and need answers. And I've always, he's always talked to me, I think the way I understand kind of like, you're being dumb. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stop acting like that. That's not even like a, a real thought, Heather. Stop having that thought. He talks very plainly to me. And that's how I've always received my inspiration 
But that, like that thought that that's not my job to worry about her and to only love her was so clear and has been so repeated so many times that I can't deny that's how he feels about her mm-hmm. or anybody else. And I think sometimes at church, we get people, they place themselves on this pedestal. They're so high that they think their opinion of other people matters to God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care what <laughs> if I think so and so is a sinner. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we don't like, we don't, he's so much bigger and so much more than we know. Yeah. We put him, we put these human characteristics to God and they, that's, I believe that's, that's not how it is. That's really great. Those, those examples are, are just perfect. And I want to go a little bit deeper with you on, on the one that happened in, in your Sunday school class. But before I do that, Cole, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to share, you know, how you, navigate when something comes up that doesn't resonate with you or it's causing some confusion or doesn't make sense or you don't understand um he texts his mom yeah <laughs> i get a lot of fun texts from his seminary class okay. <laughs> yeah well, kudos to you for building that relationship <laughs> i'm mostly honestly put it off a little bit which is probably not the right way to do it but i i have a really strong trust in God and Heavenly Father that things are going to go the way that they plan them to go. So I kind of just like, if I don't understand something, um, I, I really do try to understand it as well as possible, but a lot of times mm-hmm. I'll just say like, I might not fully agree with this, but right now I don't have like the, I guess, um, knowledge or like energy to look into it. So I will just let God take care of it, (laughs) which, yeah, that's, that's honestly my way of just navigating things that are hard for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really wise. Uh, I think a lot could benefit from taking uh, a more um, hands-off approach, allowing God to, to steer the ship, so to speak. And I would offer to you that there's not really a right or wrong way when you say that you've put it off, maybe that's not the right way, or maybe it's just a way of of navigating something that's you're not sure about in the moment. And honestly, that's curiosity is a beautiful place. Curiosity, wonder, exploration, um, being open to what's next, I think is a beautiful, beautiful place to come from. And, and then letting God direct, letting God lead. Heather, you talked specifically about an experience in, in your Sunday class where they were talking about a, a doctrine specific to the LDS faith, about the three degrees of glory. And you gave us an insight into your internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know... It, did you feel comfortable raising your hand and saying that out loud? And then in general, how, how do you feel about acknowledging questions and doubts within your faith community, whether it's in a church building or even, you know, one-to-one going on a walk with a friend or at lunch or, or wherever? Well, we just kind of had this conversation about seminary because he texted me the other day and said, mom, the seminary teacher said this. And so I looked it up and I found it was a talk from president Nelson from years ago. The quote was harmful when it, because it's being used in a harmful way, but in that Sunday school class, no, I, I don't think um, I would have said anything. Our word is, it's pretty big. The class was very full. Mm-hmm. It was a combined lesson. So it was everybody mm-hmm. together. I have in Relief Society spoken up. <laughs> I have a list from Lift and Love that <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah. I just keep those quotes on my phone and I'm like, oh, wait, here's a really good answer. I can say this because I can read it. But I get so emotional that I, when I, if I feel mad about something, I just cry. And so then I, it's hard for me because I just start crying. And then people are like, what's wrong with her? Why is she crying about this? This is silly. <laughs> So yeah, no, I didn't say anything. I wish I was brave. I wish I could 
so speak up. So this is in no way to, you know, um, this is not meant to be a, a question to self-incriminate or make commentary on what you did in that moment. It's more about having this conversation regarding what what we can do, how we can make our faith communities safer places mm-hmm. to bring up the the hard questions or to to share something even if it may be very very different from somebody else in the class or maybe lots of others in the class like i wish i wish that was possible in our uh, maybe in other places like i don't uh-huh. well, in our word that i think that would take years of retraining and trying to change people's minds and it might it might so share with me what would be some key components for you that would help you feel safe and then hopefully those that are listening can take from that and take it into their own um, congregations whether lds or otherwise i think if we could as a church get rid of the notion that the doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith it's okay to doubt your faith. It's okay to ask questions mm-hmm. and look at little, you don't have to accept the gospel as a whole all at once. This, this is according to Heather only. <laughs> you can you can take each little piece and inspect it and decide if you believe in that or don't believe mm-hmm. in that. And I know that goes against what's been said before. Like it's not piecemeal. That's not what I think. I think it is piecemeal. I think that you can accept parts of it and some parts mm-hmm. go, mm, I don't know that right now. And I might not ever know that. And that's okay because I know that God loves me. I know that Jesus Christ loves me. I know that they want me here on Sunday so I can feel more readily of their love. And that's okay for right now. And maybe the other stuff will come later, but if it doesn't, that's okay. That's kind of the point I've gotten to. And I, I know that I know that people would say that's wrong, but if we could accept that everybody where they are, rather than if they ask a question or make a statement, pointing out to them how wrong they are and shame them or blame them for not knowing something or making them feel stupid Mm -hmm. for not knowing something. Mm -hmm. Not everybody Mm -hmm. reads their scriptures for an hour a day. Not everybody, not everybody even opens their scriptures every day, but that's how we treat people at church, right? Like Mm -hmm. they should you don't know this how do you not know this (laughs) right that's been our that's been our experience for sure and that's i think that's really harmful and driving people away because people aren't comfortable to just have a basic testimony i i asked to be put in as the primary forester because i know downstairs in the primary all i have to know is that jesus loves me and i can teach the kids that i don't need to know the other stuff right now I think this kind of vulnerability and realness and rawness that you are demonstrating here is what has the power to change the world. And it takes one story at a time, one life experience, one meaning one human and their life experience at a time. To your point, you mentioned how your husband, when he returned from his mission, his parents' marriage had dissolved. I am certain that he, whether he intended to or or ever thought that he would prior to that, started to look at some of the LDS beliefs and even doctrine in a different way, because mm-hmm. now some of it had the potential to be very hurtful. It didn't fit anymore. Or, or painful, or yeah, it no longer fit. And so I think that's really fair of you to say, um, personalize your testimony. I mean, what greater thing can we do than, um, than to take, that's how you know Mm -hmm. that you really care about something. You Mm -hmm. put in that effort, you put in that energy, you know, and that might be over a period of time. I I heard you a little bit earlier. I'm tired. I don't have a lot of energy. (laughs) I I get that. It's, it can be hard to be the one um, bringing up um, different viewpoints, especially on a regular basis. Well, and I wish our youth, I wish we could preach that to the youth and not feel like we were going to get in trouble for sharing that or that we're not allowed to teach them that because don't, wouldn't it be amazing if they knew 
if they knew that right now it's okay if they only trust that God is real, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Like this journey, if if it's eternal as we're being yeah. preached, if it really God. is eternal, that's okay that right yeah. now you only believe that God is real. I, that's I okay. Progression is ongoing and an infinite. Yeah. I think that's, in the church the there's this ram, there's this like crazy idea that we have to be all knowing by the time you die, right? Mm-hmm. Like I gotta hurry up and learn all this stuff before I die. I don't have what who knows when that will be. When am I gonna go? We don't mm-hmm. know. But you feel like you have to learn the entire gospel. I was feeling so much pressure, like I don't know enough. I don't know how to deal with this situation because I don't know enough. I don't know all the gospel principles and all the facts. Yeah. And then when I kind of came to the conclusion when God told me, you're okay. It's okay. I love that so much it's, for you. Yeah. So tell me, you were born and and raised in the LDS faith. How has your faith journey been different than maybe what you thought it would be or might might look like at this point? I think I saw the church through such a narrow lens earlier, like one one way, right? One way to do everything. And I think my personal testimony and my personal re- revelation that I have received, letting me know that our way might not look like other families in the church, but that's okay because it's God's way. There's no, there's no way that he did not have in his plan for Sam to meet Taryn and Taryn to be part of our family there. We were not complete without her. Right. I like love she's, she came into our family and she made our family complete. She was like the missing link. So there's no way that he, that wasn't in, he loves her as much or probably more than he loves us. Some other people because she's very lovable. She's a lot like Sam, just a really pure soul and Mm-hmm. It's just kind of integrated into our family like she's always been there. There's no way that's not an eternal family. So, yeah. That epitomizes <laughs> all are alike unto God for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It totally epitomizes I, that. That all are alike unto God gets skipped over so much in the church, and it makes me really frustrated that that gets – that's that's a huge I, – I feel like that's an – integral part of the whole church and it is not talked about or said or discussed as much as it should be Mm -hmm. tell me what it means to you Cole. uh just it means that we're all i mean we're all the same if we preach that he loves everybody then why are we preaching that for me for me being lgbtq is a part of you that is a part of your personality it's the same thing as i don't like me making music it's the same it's the same concept for me so if that's a part of somebody and we are born like that or sorry not like like that sounds weird we are born being lgbtq um then why are why are those people any different from somebody who's straight mm-hmm. why is why is that different in god's eyes if you're born straight Mm-hmm. then you are like somebody who was born LGBTQ. It's the same same thing. So why do they why is that a, why is that a sin for them? Mm-hmm. That's something that I, I just have never understood. Why why that's seen as a sin when we say yeah. all are alike. Yeah. Thank you for being courageous and real and sharing your thoughts about that. Um I have so much hope in this next generation, your generation, Cole. And I appreciate so much your open-mindedness and and above all, just the unconditional love that is yeah. so yeah. apparent in the, that comes across in your words and in the stories that you're sharing. It's just amazing and beautiful. And I love it so very much. One of my favorite questions that I like to ask my guests kind of to wrap it up, and that is, what does it mean to you to live beyond? the shadow of doubt. I purposely dropped the A in this attempt to look at doubt in a different way, you know, and peel back that those layers of shame. And, you know, you kind of talked to this a little bit earlier in our chat, how, you know, why, why not doubt our doubts? um, Or or why do we need to doubt our doubts? I think is what you, 
And I, and I've asked that too. I actually created a podcast episode on that about a year ago, but anyway, what does it mean in both of you? I'd love to hear from both of you. What does it mean to live beyond the shadow of doubt? Um, I'm just gonna say something that I forgot. I love ADHD. <laughs> you go first. ADHD, your superpower. <laughs> um, I that's a, that's kind of a difficult question to answer, but I it's funny because in testimony meeting, when people would say, "I know the church is true," right? When I was the primary president, I said, "We're gonna practice bearing our testimonies because that statement drives me nuts." What about the church do you know is true? You know the building standing here? Everybody can see that. Everybody that has sight knows that this church building is true. It is standing here. Let's talk about what we know about Jesus. What about Jesus do you know is true? Let's make let's make that the statement, right? So I think when they would say, I know the church is true beyond a shadow of a doubt, I think what they were trying to say was, I fully and wholeheartedly believe in this entire gospel in its entirety. I accept anything that's taught to me and I, I accept it. I live it and I expect everybody else to accept it and live it. And I want to show everybody how to accept it and live it. That's what I, when somebody makes that statement, that's what I feel. I've, I like rules. I like to follow rules. Um, I also don't like to be told what to do and then expected to just do it. <laughs> So if you give me a new concept, I like to take the concept. I want to look at it. I want to study it. I want to pull it apart and put it back together again and see how it fits into my life. And I think that's always given me that, like if somebody said, so let's say a conference talk and I hear something and I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. That doesn't, that feels kind of funny in my gut. Then mm -hmm. I, I love the idea that I can pray about it and yeah. say, you know, this was said. And I understand that it might apply to the majority of human beings, but I feel like it was really hurtful to some other ones. Then I can get yes. my own kind of like verification and revelation that that, yeah, that, that statement could be helpful in these situations, right. but maybe it's not for everybody. And I think if you can, like I said earlier, look at the gospel in chunks, it might make it easier for someone who's struggling. But we also had an experience here where my husband did express some questions and some worries and he was an adjunct professor for BYUI. He, he works for the department of energy. That's his full-time job. Luckily, because as soon as he asked questions within a week, he received notification from BYUI that they were not renewing his contract. He was fired. That was a huge blow to us and to, to him, you know, individually, of course, because he was the one that was fired and he, they won't tell him why um, he can't get answers from anybody. There's kind of this like team, I guess, that looks at your membership and decides if you're worthy to be a professor or not. Um, his temple recommend interview was great. It's current, but something in his questioning made somebody think that he would poison the well, so to speak, or, you know, I'm not be the best influence. Sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to your family. That was kind of a slap in the face and a realization that in this area to us, the questions might not be safe. Maybe you're not okay to ask questions. So even like a podcast like this, I'm like, huh, am I going to get released from my calling? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. I hope not because I love it. You know, what you, what you shared about what it means to live beyond the shadow of doubt. I think we are meant to personalize our journeys. I think that's what the the definition of personal revelation is all about, following our, our intuition, our heart, following that divine guidance within us, whatever you term it, following mm -hmm. the spirit. That's that's where the growth for us for for me, for you personally on a very personal level happens. And we can't experience that if we don't take those steps to seek out answers to questions, you know, asking questions is just the start asking just questions. Is, yeah. That's all that it is. It's, it's a refining process. It's, it's a fine tuning process. It's, it increases our, our depth, our spiritual depth, our intellectual knowledge, all of those things. And 
I think you're spot on. Personalizing our journey is, I, I believe that's the point. I think, I believe that's what God wants us to do. That's how we grow. That's how we progress. And I think we've got to get there as a church. People can ask questions. It's okay. People can have worries. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You're still wanted. We still need you. I think, I think it's a good, I, I think it's a really good thing. And the only way, um, or, sorry, not the only, but one of the best ways, in my opinion, to actually get closer to God and build your faith mm-hmm. is to ask questions. And I think right. there's a there's a huge stigma around asking questions that's kind of like, oh, no, you don't question the church. But, okay, but then how am I supposed to learn more? Like, mm-hmm. I, in my personal experience, um, and this is kind of ties into living beyond shadow of doubt, is um or asking questions what was it yeah Um, (laughs) is that i have to ask questions about the church to actually learn more and build my faith and get closer to god and historically that's what's made um the church as a body better it's addressed things like discrepancies or inadequacies or imbalances regarding race regarding gender regarding Mm-hmm. Um, equal opportunities and things, and and there's still much to be, to be learned and implemented, and mm-hmm. so I I agree with you, Cole. How else can you learn if you don't ask questions? Yeah. Well, and the church was founded on a question, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, think become, I think we've become very content with where the church is now, and there's kind of just this thing where, okay, we know everything. I think a lot of people think they know everything, and that the church has taught them everything. And I don't think that's even remotely true. <laughs> the scriptures teach that it's not even remotely true, that God knows so everything and so much yeah. more than you could even comprehend. Yeah, I, I have definitely learned that in my short time on this great big floating rock. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much I do not know. And yeah. It's actually mentally healthy to lean into uncertainty and to allow that and invite curiosity yeah and invite wonder and awe and ask questions any final thoughts that you want to share with us that maybe we didn't touch on um no i think i hope that your podcast is reaching more than adults i hope it's reaching some youth also because i just want them to know that it's okay come with what you have and then if you build more, you build more. And if you don't for years to come, that's okay too. We still want you there. Please don't, please don't think you can't come because you don't. I mean, that goes for adults too, but I think our youth, it's so important for them to know. Just yeah, it is. Come how you are, gay, straight, trans. We want you. Mm-hmm. Like there's you can sit with us. We want to feed you dinner after you have family. Yeah. I agree. One belief, few beliefs, big belief, little belief, <laughs> Where, yeah. wherever you are in between, you are. Just whatever. Come. Yeah. Yeah. Just come so I can love on you because my kids are leaving me one at a time. I'm running out of kids. <laughs> come let me be your mom. That is a great final love note to end on. I, I do have a few questions that I like to ask just so our listeners can get to know you on a more personal level. And I'm just really looking for one or two word answers. So I'll ask you both. Okay. 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 So tell us your favorite book. I'm listening to the Midnight Library right now. Okay. Sounds fun and intriguing. It's I've really heard good. Of that. <laughs> it's where my hey, I'll look it up. I'll look yeah. it up. What about you, Cole? I haven't read it so long. He used to be such an avid reader. It doesn't Potter. matter. <laughs> Harry Potter. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cannot go wrong with that. No. Yeah. Would you say that you are an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, definitely an extrovert. We're both extroverts. <laughs> okay. And um, what about a night owl or a morning lark? Morning lark. Night owl. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a favorite artist? A uh, musical? Either you pick Either. Cole Fryer right there. He's my favorite. Oh, yeah. You have a little, 
you have a little bit of a story to share with us. Maybe you can share that with us before we finish. Yeah. So I've been doing music for a while, but recently I've been working with a label out in Nashville called Songhouse. They make really cool content, really cool videos. So everybody should go check those out. They've got camps that you can go to, which I went to, and those are amazing. And yeah, I have a song coming out Yay! That is so exciting, Cole. We will leave links in the show notes so that folks can find you and your new song. Yeah, I have a few other songs out right now, so go listen to those and then go get ready for a new song dropping soon. Don't know when, but... (laughs) That is exciting. Truly happy for you. Okay, so then who's your favorite artist? Or maybe you can share who inspires you as a... Um, a (laughs) Do you want me to guess? Yeah. Mac Miller. Yep. (laughs) Awesome. Mac Miller, 24-7. Yeah, I just love his lyrical ability. Definitely inspired to make me a lot of... Let me make a lot of music. That didn't make any sense. Definitely inspired me to make music. Um, (laughs) And... I'm not making his genre anymore. It's actually more rock now, but mm-hmm. still a huge inspiration to me. Love it. Okay. So tell us who your who is your celebrity crush, if you have one. <laughs> Queen Latifah. Queen, Queen Latifah. That's fantastic. I say a guy now since he's been a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I just love her. Yeah. I love her. Um, celebrity crush? Do you have a celebrity Tyler Ward. That's my celebrity crush. Tyler Ward. Okay. I don't know that one. I must be behind the times. Yeah. You better. You got to figure out who he is. Okay. All right. Do you do still or carbonated water or diet soda? Diet Coke. Diet Coke. <laughs> okay. And finally, the furthest place you've traveled. Japan. Japan. Yeah. Yeah. We lived there for about six years. So. Oh, right. Right. You've said that. What part? Okinawa. What a fun adventure. Well, yeah, Cole great. and Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. If folks had questions for you or wanted to reach out and connect, what would be the easiest way for them to do that? Um, feel free to share my email with them. We're happy okay. to chat with anybody. Yeah, sure. We'll leave your email in the show notes then. Yeah, great. Awesome. Thank you so much. I know your your hearts are going to touch many. So much thank appreciated. You. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Hopeful Spaces is a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. It's a free monthly parent, ally, or caregiver support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. Email chc at dallashopecharities.org for more info. Visit MeganSkidmoreCoaching.com to find this podcast and additional free resources, including the link for a complimentary coaching session. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more or to send me a DM. Help the podcast grow. Please follow, review, and share with a friend.